0: To me, myself, and Millie, a podcast about pop culture and hot goss through the lens of your nosy neighbor, I'm your host, Millie Brooks. Thanks for listening today, guys. This episode is all about family and the holidays. Navigating family dynamics during this time of year is challenging, okay? Even if you have the best family ever. You know, tensions are high, money is low, and people are drunkity drunk. So today we are going to talk to marriage and family therapist, Danny Worth on how we can get through the holidays without murdering anyone, or if you're anything like me, saying something you deeply regret. So grab a cup of coffee and maybe something to write on because you might want to take some notes. Um, this is going to be a super juicy episode, but before we move on to the interview with Danny, a friendly reminder to like, and subscribe to me, myself, and Millie on Apple podcasts or SoundCloud. If you haven't already done that, jump on it and stay up to date on all the episodes. Welcome back party people. In the studio today, and when I say studio, I mean a small corner of my house, we have Danny Worth here today, licensed marriage and family therapist, and Cleo's also here. She's chewing on a bone. I pray that she... Choose on it for the whole episode. So put your hands together, everybody, for Danny! Woo! <laughs> Welcome, Danny. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Danny, before we launch into this really great topic, I want to know I ask everybody this Do you have any good neighborhood goss?
1: Good neighborhood goss. I think, I would have to say that I think that my house is giving away like the best neighborhood gas in the in the neighborhood. I recently moved into a new home, into a neighborhood with folks that are a little bit staunch, a little bit uptight. <laughs> and, um, and there is uh, a lot of construction happening in the front yard, a lot of construction happening in the backyard. When I meet with the neighbors, they're all gossiping about how the landlord is, um, Doing things without permits and just just for the record, he is doing things with permits. Although we think maybe not, but mm. I don't want to put that on the radio. Permits so, are a whole thing. On the podcast. Permits are a whole thing. So yeah. I think that actually in the neighborhood, we're the gossip for a very uptight neighborhood. Well, now you know when we got our
0: backyard done we were the talk of the town mm-hmm. for the like for
1: three streets over yeah it does draw a lot of curiosity it draws curiosity it draws frustration they're mm-hmm. all wondering what's going on why is it taking so long um, that's that's and we have um yeah, we basically have one guy in the backyard digging, like, trenches for, for three weeks straight. So wow. that's that's really the gas. Not much yet. A lot of new neighbors, a lot of uh, annoyance that they're having with my landlord, and mm-hmm. um, and a lot of construction.
0: Got it. Yeah. Great. That's great. Good. That's good, guys. That's good. It's for good. a new neighborhood, that's all I've got. Okay. Yeah. Well, so give me and the listeners a small introduction on how you got into psychology and why you wanted to
1: become a mental health professional. All right. So I originally got into, I well, originally I was a professional actor. So I worked for a long time in professional theater. I had gone to conservatories my whole life. And what really drew me into theater and why I really loved it was always understanding characters and doing character development and really understanding that kind of anyone is capable of anything if they're put in certain circumstances Um, and getting behind and really understanding how people tick. So I always believed in the sort of human transformation story. What happened for me was that I was dealing with a lot of my own internal conflict, a lot of anxiety, a lot of my own struggles with perfectionism and my own history of trauma and chaos in the home. And so there were ways that I was escaping that and I really needed to get my own help. So when I got that help and started seeing my life transform, I realized that just as much as I wanted to portray a human transformation on stage, I wanted to really support people in transforming in their own lives. Mm. So um, then I kind of made a leap and I worked in wilderness therapy for a while. And then I got very intrigued around how trauma informs the body and how the body is affected by histories of trauma and kind of went more down that route into what's called somatic psychotherapy. Nice. Yeah.
0: I should tell the listeners that, Danny, you're probably one of my oldest adult friends. Like, not old in age, but we've known each other for such a long time. Mm -hmm. We were friends in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And then when you moved out to San Francisco to start your... Graduate degree. Graduate degree. Yeah. We
1: continued our friendship. Yeah. It's whole other worlds. We were both in completely different worlds. Totally. I was in Chicago doing theater. You were still in college. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, we became really good friends and then lost touch for a little bit of time. But right. not really, I right? Mean, with social media. Social media. You feel like you never really yeah. lose touch. And then I moved out here years after you did. Yeah. Thank
0: and you. we just picked up again. Mm-hmm. It was great. Mm-hmm. I just don't trust them. I don't trust them. So, how can.
1: what we wish that they were like and I think sometimes the stress comes with having this idealized vision of what we think it's supposed to be in the future or this ultimate goal and then comparing it to right now Mm. as if right now is is lacking and sometimes right now is lacking let's be real sometimes you're having a terrible year sometimes you broke up right before the holidays started I mean that's shitty it sucks Mm -hmm. to be broken up with or end a relationship right before the holidays so i think that what it really comes down to is being really honest with yourself about what kind of year is this right now for me is it kind of a difficult phase and if so adding in those self-care things that maybe it means you're moving slower maybe it means you're doing gentle things for yourself this holiday season Um, And really, maybe even writing a list, writing a list of the people that are in your life that you care about, that you want to see, that are accessible to you, and adding in little meetups, little gatherings, little events that you can do with those people so that it feels like you're actually taking in something that feels good. Mm.
0: But I I, love that. Yeah. Like have a little holiday gathering with your witchy sister
1: wives exactly invite over the witches yeah invite over the witches i think we often um have this hallmark view of what holidays are supposed to be and i used to do this around my birthday i used to be freak out about my birthday for two months before my birthday what's my birthday going to be like And what I've started to do is do smaller things more frequently that I enjoy when it's around the time of my birthday.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: Yeah. So this idea of like, okay, we're shifting into the fall. What does that mean? What are the little things that you like to do so that not all of the joy is saturated into this one expectation of one day or the couple of holidays? Where you can really spread it out and do those self care, loving, fun, playful things that are more minimal and kind of sparse throughout the throughout these months. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah,
0: I really love that. Do you have any um, like examples of those like self care um,
1: practices that you might be able to sprinkle about? Yeah, I mean. I think it's about starting to get creative and and planning for the future a little bit. I mean, I really struggle with this myself. I'm such an in-the-moment person that I don't often think to look for tickets for a show or something like that. But if you are in a place that has, um, there's this website called Gold Star. um, We're in the Bay Area. We have uh, Bay Area Fun Cheap. San Francisco or SF right. Fun Cheap. You can get online and start looking up different little things. Maybe there's like the Dickens Fair, right? Like the Dickens something. Fair, or oh, hey, maybe I don't have a plan this upcoming weekend. Oh, there's a there's a stand up comedy show for five bucks. Let me invite a friend um, just to start filling your life with more of those social things. And then it's not going to feel like everything falls on this one day. One day with your family. One day with the family. Um, If there are certain things that you just love about the area that you live in, or if there's a road trip that would be nice, you know, getting... We're in this city. We're inundated by concrete. And driving out to Sebastopol or driving up to Tamales Bay and doing a day trip, um, getting out in the woods those kinds of things and it really depends on what do you like if you're a person that loves getting a massage and mm-hmm. but you're not someone who you know typically has the finances to do that frequently maybe now is the time to say you know what i'm gonna go and um find a place where i can afford a, something you know a nice massage right something like that that's um It could be ritual, it could be going out and just sitting in the woods and journaling, Mm -hmm. but that you're setting an intention to do something a little bit different and a little bit special for you over these next couple of months. I love that. And maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's picking, um, let's be real, our schedules are very full and we're probably not doing this kind of thing every week. But if you look at the calendar and say, hmm, this season tends to be a little sticky for me, I'm going to take, I'm going to try to do two things different for the next three months just to add in, just to add in a little pleasure.
0: I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. As you're talking, I'm getting this idea of um, doing some sort of crafty project too. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I feel like, you know, being a creative person, like, you know, I think there's creative parts of everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. and like being, um, doing a craft project. I'm thinking like off the top of my head, one of the gals who was on season one, um, Kaylin Franks, she owns a lavender, um, lavender business, lavender farm in Northern Michigan. And every, Winter, she has a wreath-making workshop. Wow. Isn't that sound great? It's very impressive. That's fun and very impressive. Impressive. (laughs) But, like, I was like, I would love to
1: go to one of those. Uh
0: Like, that's fun.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where that curiosity comes from. um, Or or where where we can kind of hone that curiosity. I, I love that you say bring up crafting because I do not consider myself a a crafty person. I would not necessarily sit in my house and come up with crafts. When I've walked into Michael's, that store, I thought, who does all of this? (laughs) Like really, who does this? But I think attending um, a workshop Getting on your own or getting a friend and saying, hey, we've never done this. Maybe this wreath will turn out, maybe it'll fall apart, but at least it's fun. Um, Signing up for something like that. Exactly. Finding something that you can do that's a little bit different, a little bit outside of the norm, and kind of stoking that curiosity. Totally. So, well,
0: family dynamics, back to the family, um, are so tough. Especially when you take everyone and put them under one roof, what are some strategies for avoiding drama?
1: Ooh, do we have three days <laughs> to talk? To talk about, about, to talk this. about this family drama? Um, I don't think anyone escapes it. I don't think anyone escapes it, and I and I say that because even. Um, even if you're not surrounded by family, let's say you're not going to your family home or you don't have a a set family home or maybe it's just you and one parent, um, there are family dynamics everywhere even if you're not connected to family at all. So there can be just the family dynamics that come up in your own head around the holidays and what it brings up. But if we're talking about what do you do when you're actually in the house Mm -hmm. with folks? Um, Something that in reading, um, in thinking about this question, um, what I've, um, something that I was playing with in my head was that, um, how do I want to say this? Um, Hold on. Is that okay? Yeah, you can think about it. Okay, I can think think about about it. it.
0: I mean, something for me that comes up is, like, Mm -hmm. remembering to just breathe before I respond. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes even just breathing, the message can get across to somebody. Yeah. That, like, oh, somebody needs to, like, step back, Mm -hmm. recalibrate yourself, Mm -hmm. recalibrate your body. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so one thing that was jumping out to me in this is that a lot of family dynamic conflict can be, I wouldn't say avoided, but can be prepared for before you get into the situation. So if you have been doing some personal work and know that you need some boundaries in the house or you need to take some space, sending an email to folks ahead of time and saying these are the things that I feel really great about showing up for and just so you know on Saturday I'm probably going to be taking a half day for myself or I'm going to be getting out for a hike. Letting people know that you may not be available the entire time. In advance. In advance yeah. Um, For some of us when we show up into our family systems there are really different expectations from the different family members some people believe that connecting means being together all the time some people feel that family connection means being in the same house but not talking to one another and so i think it's helpful to start doing the work of really really investigating what is it that makes me feel good when i'm home is it having an authentic conversation with someone And does that usually take me until the last afternoon to do with my sister? Or can I reach out to her ahead of time and say, hey, it'd be really nice if we went um, out and got tea and kind of left the family at home on Friday night. So So that connection doesn't wait until Sunday.
0: Right. Or like some people just don't like to be... To have things sprung on them last minute. Mm -hmm. You know, like again with the expectations, well, you know, your mom might be thinking you were going to be in the house all day before helping her prepare for a meal. But you wanted to take a walk. Like as much
1: in advance that you can give people is a good thing. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people's reactions come from and a lot of the conflict converges all coming from a place of, oh, we thought that it was going to be like fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And so preparing, I think preparing people ahead of time, if you're somebody who has been really working on how to be connected, but also how to take care of myself when I'm home, is sending an email ahead of time. Email is great because it's not a phone conversation where there can be the immediate reaction and maybe a shutdown or maybe another conflict. It's sending it out there and you can do it lovingly, What I've learned in my life is how to sandwich things. So you say something positive, you say something that you want or that you need or the thing that you're going to do, and then you end it with something positive. You know, so for example, mom, I'm so looking forward to coming home. I really can't wait to see you. I want to let you know that I'm realizing I may not be able to be connected with family 24 7. So I've decided I'm going to rent a car and I might. take an hour in the middle of the afternoon sometimes and just take a breather and come back. And end of sandwich, I just can't wait to see you and we're going to hang out and it's going to be good. Oh, I love that. You know, so it's, it's preparing people. And then there may be a reaction that they have, but they also have some downtime to reflect on it. Mm-hmm. And if it's like a week before the trip, they have had some time to mull it over. Yeah. So if there's an old way that they were viewing how everybody was going to connect, they have some time to come to terms with the fact that maybe you need something else. Yep. I love it.
0: I mean, um, well, let's talk a little bit about confrontation. Yeah. When you are together with family. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I often shrink in these moments of confrontation. I back off and recoil. Mm -hmm. And then two hours later... I have, I feel really charged up. Mm -hmm. And I finally have the words that I wish I would have used. Um, Do you have any suggestions for people in those moments of confrontation? Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, Because it's funny as you describe this, it sounds so, you know, heightened. And it is. And um, when we go into those states, we're really in those like kind of for many of us, um, we get into these heightened reactions. And for some of us, it tips over that, you know, in in uh, psychotherapy or in somatics, we call it a window of tolerance. So we flip into this sort of like hyperactivated state, kind of like a fight response, or, or we go into a submit response where we shrink and we shut down. And from those places, there's really no effective conversation that's going to happen. You know, I often say like, Um, panic is not an emotion it's a reaction Mm. it's a survival response being nervous or being concerned is an emotion so when we're in these you know um, kind of panic states or states of um, states of maybe this um, heightened anger that comes up or totally shutting down those aren't states that we can actually connect with our family. Mm. We're not going to have a good conversation from that point. We're, um, we're out of our capacity. We're out of our window for ability to be regulated. So in those moments, it's a really good idea to step away. To step away and go into another room or leave the house, go for a walk, go for a walk. If you're a person who journals, it's a good time to pull out a journal and say, okay, this just happened. What am I feeling? What's really important to me about this situation? What needs to be said? What doesn't need to be said? Mm-hmm. If it's not about the banana bread, what am I really upset about? You know? Um, and from that place, being able to reconnect. Now, sometimes it means doing that over the phone with a friend. Some of us don't have a lot of psychologically-minded friends, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. um, someone's just, you know, sometimes we can get on the phone with a friend and they just stoke the fire. Yeah, <laughs> they just add a little bit more fuel. Yeah, they just add more fuel to the fire. So um, I would say if you're a person who has friends in your corner, who don't always just agree with you, but friends in your corner who can sit and hear and offer you a supportive reflection of what they think is your part and not your part, then that's great, call one of those people. Um, But mostly it's about taking some space and really identifying what the underlying need is. I like what you
0: said that like in those moments, in those moments of confrontation, nothing good is going to happen by continuing the conversation. Right. You know, and to sort of back off, you know, and go, you know, take some space for yourself.
1: Yeah, because um, if you think about an animal that's backed against a corner, backed into a corner, that animal is either going to curl up into a ball or they're going to lash out. Mm -hmm. And in our family dynamics, all of us have taken on... Some role in that fashion. You know, somebody takes up more space, somebody gets more like bombastic and aggressive, somebody else shuts down. And so when you step out of that system, it doesn't allow that system to continue. I love it. So the person who's getting, you know, really opinionated and on their high horse and says, well, this is what we've always done and this is how we always should do it, when you don't um, engage in that system anymore and you step away from it they can't continue that either mm. so it gives them some space to shift out of that reaction it gives you some space and when you reconnect i think it's ideal if somebody if, if a family member is able to re-engage and reflect on what happened we don't all have that opportunity in our families sometimes there's one person who can you know maybe everybody was going nuts and but sister is able to kind of talk with you about it after um so it may be something and and this is one one piece is that it may be something that doesn't fully get resolved And can you let that go? Mm. So really understanding what's happening for you in the family system. What role are you taking on? What's getting triggered? What's really bothering you? What's underneath this? And then from that place, you may be able to reconnect with someone and have a conversation when both of you are in a better space. Or it might be, you know what? I'm going to accept that... um, It's not going to be helpful to go into this right now. And when I leave here and I'm leaving here in a day, I will go and I'll process it with a friend or I'll process it in therapy. Sometimes we want to work things out. And the reality is in some of our systems, it's not going to. Mm -hmm. And so we have to learn to accept what needs... Can be met in our families, and also sometimes hold that not everything is able to be talked about in every family. And then we get to work through those feelings with professionals or with friends that get it or in some kind of a support group. Totally. And say, wow, you know, going home was really great for A, B, C, and D reason, and for E, F, G reason it was really hard. Totally.
0: And that's life. And like also understanding that like, you know, your family has expectations, but you too might have expectations as well about how you want them to show up. And not everybody has that capacity. Yeah. Well, well, how do you deal... Now this is moving on to my next question, which I think everybody will probably be experiencing this right now in Mm -hmm. our world, politically speaking, Mm. things are very, there's a lot of upheaval right now. The country's kind of divided. Um, Families are kind of divided. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you deal with family members who don't see eye to eye with you on political matters, Mm. societal matters, cultural matters? Yeah. How
1: do you enjoy their presence mm. over the holidays? That's a really that's a really tough one. Um, I think because so many of the issues that are going on politically aren't just sort of middle of the road differences of opinion. I think a lot of them have to do with um, groups of people that are being oppressed and um, marginalized. So I think that what's happening. Now, and again, this is my humble opinion, and I do not speak for every therapist or imagine that I'm, you know, the the final word on this, mm-hmm. but um, I think that what's pushing up against for a lot of people is not just about differences on whether, you know, they believe in sort of conservative um, politics regarding, you know, I don't know, capitalistic structures or something, but mm-hmm. actually about the way groups of people are being treated in our country, mm-hmm. and so that's bringing on a whole other um, chasm between between family members because it's not any more, oh, somebody's more, I guess, financially conservative versus somebody who's more sort of, um, more of like a democratic socialist. But it's actually about groups of people and how people are being treated. So Mm -hmm. I think that brings up so many raw emotions. Um, What I would say is, um, and I guess it's just, you know, this is me and my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, Totally. And not me speaking for everyone. But, you know, something that jumps out to me, and I don't know who said it, so forgive me, but that... um, that neutrality is signing is siding with the oppressor. Mm, mm-hmm. And just as much as we want to um, not go into and fan the flames that are going to ruin a Thanksgiving dinner or ruin a Christmas morning or a Hanukkah celebration, or, um, you know, fill in the blank whatever holiday you're celebrating, I often think when I hear something being said, um that is let's say slightly racist Mm -hmm. um now I'm a white woman right and I could easily kind of just let it slide because I don't want to deal with that on Hanukkah Mm -hmm. or I don't want to deal with that on Christmas but I often think about if my friend heard that comment they can't they might not be able to ignore it because that's their race or that's their religion or that's their sexual orientation or that's their culture so i think about being an ally and how important it is to be an ally and we don't want to just be allies in front of our friends who are part of different groups mm-hmm. and how are you an ally when it's not convenient so this is what i sit with around this topic with holidays is and family, right. it's how do you connect with family members, and also be an ally at the same time, and not try to be so neutral and avoid conflict that you're not supporting others who are being who um, whose groups are being um, diminished in this conversation. Mm. So.
0: Um, so right now I'm looking up something that was circulating Facebook a while ago Mm -hmm. and it's called like, so your ancestor is a racist Mm. or a misogynist or a homophobe Mm -hmm. or just a dick in general. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And it's literally, um, all these words to say to try instead. So, like, don't say, I'm not responsible for what my ancestors did. Mm -hmm, Instead, mm -hmm. try, I don't support what my ancestors did. Mm -hmm. And I acknowledge that I live under their legacy. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's another one. Don't don't say, that was so long ago, get over it. Mm -hmm. Instead, try... Historical events have modern day legacies, and the present is shaped by the past. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: that comes off very cleanly. It can, does you, off can you imagine cleanly. saying that over the green beans?
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Like, how I also have learned to say, "Hmm, I respectfully disagree." Yes, and I. I think, respectfully yes. disagree. Yes,
1: there is a way. Now, I am not perfect at this because I have a part of me that really likes to get in it. And I like to get into fight mode. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to work with that side of me. I get really revved up. I get really, um, I feel that fire. And then I want to put people in their place. And, um, and I want to kind of teach them all what they should know. And that doesn't get anywhere Yep. I think um, what you're saying about, hmm, I respectfully disagree, is supportive because it doesn't throw people into their their reaction modes, their survival responses, their fight, their, their flight, their, uh, you know, um, I'm out of here. Forget mm-hmm. it. I'm going into the other room. I don't need to hear this anymore. So the more... We're able to regulate ourselves, to to understand. I may not get anywhere with this person, but I'm at least gonna say what's important to me. Say what well, exactly? Because I think a lot of people walk away from those
0: confrontations feeling like, oh, like just completely like stripped mm-hmm. of everything that they hold to be very true for themselves. Yeah, you know exactly, and not allowing to be dominated mm-hmm. by everything but making sure that like you know your voice
1: was said in a respectful manner yeah and I think that there can be a lot to be said for having these conversations be teaching moments Mm. even for people who I don't agree with it's helpful to hear oh this person believes in this thing that I don't necessarily believe in why is it important to them And then being able to meet them there and saying, okay, I hear that's important to you, but have you thought about this, 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 and the other that affects this other group of people? Now, I'm not saying I do that perfectly all the time. Mm -hmm. Just because I'm a therapist does not mean that I win the award for being the most balanced 24-7, but it is something to strive for because when we're, again, when we're in that reaction, people get... um, they get into fight mode, they get into I'm out of here mode, they get into throwing their hands up and saying, forget it. Yep. They get into you're right, you're right, I shouldn't have even said anything. And then that energy just permeates for the next two days. Right? right. Um, but I do think, and I want to name that, as um, a cisgendered white female I think it's really important that when when I'm in any space, if I hear something that is um, discriminatory, it's important that as an ally, I don't have to be an ally just when I am surrounded by groups of people who present differently than me. Right. But it's important to be an ally when you're in the – your aunt's house in the middle of the woods in South Carolina. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. Right.
0: How holiday gift giving mm-hmm. can be a source of hurt? Do you have any creative solutions? Hmm...
1: Well, it's funny because in my in my family, we sort of just stopped giving presents. Oh, <laughs> we we don't Love we don't you. I know we don't Love take you. it seriously. We don't take it seriously, and and everyone says, "Oh, I owe you three birthday presents from the last three years." <laughs> you know, I'll buy you a pair of shoes this year, okay? Um, but but it does become a source of stress for some. Um, it's not my stress, so I can't speak to it from a personal level, but. It can be a source of stress, especially when people's expectations of the relationship are held in In this gift. gift. gift, In this gift. And that's what can come up a lot. I think for people, when relationships feel shaky, there's a lot of expectation around presence. Um, That present all of a sudden represents whether or not you love me as a sister whether or not um, you really love me as a partner, whether or not you know me. And usually it's helpful to explore what are the real concerns about the relationship if it wasn't about the gift. So if I'm getting a gift from, let's say a hypothetical person gets a gift from a partner, and it's something that he or she actually like detests and doesn't like and it it doesn't even represent anything about them like why are you giving me this stuffed animal penguin (laughs) has nothing to do with anything it's not like i've said i love penguins Uh, it's coming out of nowhere um what that points to maybe is more of a sign that there are concerns about if this person really knows who i am and if does this person really know me and Sometimes there can be a lot of fear in that. I have decided to be with a partner who got me this terrible present. It's not about the present. It's about the fear of whether or not somebody really knows you and the person you, you know, chose to be with. And so when we can get out of the, if the object is a metaphor or is kind of standing for something, if we can get out and get away from the specifics of the gift we can get underneath and say, what am I really concerned about here? Mm -hmm. Or is there something in this relationship that needs attending to? Mm -hmm. Um, For some people, it's never going to be enough. You might have been so thoughtful. Maybe there was something wonderful that you wanted to offer someone. And that person for whatever reason, for whatever their wound is, just can't believe that anybody really knows them enough or cares about them enough. And so there's always a dismissal of this. It's just now like there, there, there can be just be a dismissal. And so for the gift giver, if you are offering something to someone and there's complaint around it, then I would say the practice would really be just to learn how to, how to detach from other people's experiences. Know that, remind yourself, this came from a place of love. I thought about this. It made me think about this person. I can't own whether or not this person understands that, takes that in, gets it.
0: Yep, I like that. I like that a lot. I feel like on the flip side too. Like I'm someone who is just a really shitty gift giver. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just <laughs> really bad. And you when, would give the stuffed penguin. I yeah. would be the stuffed penguin person. And That's when what says what? Yeah, like why? Like I remember giving um, <laughs> my husband bottle cleaners. <laughs> <one time. laughs> Because you thought it'd be helpful. Uh, for I mean, he has a lot of water bottles. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. Um, and I, I think he was really mad about it. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. like, it just clearly, I I had different, a different idea. It but was a miss.
1: It was a miss. It was a
0: miss. It was such a yeah. miss. It was such a miss. And, um, and so, like... There's a part of me, though, that feels really guilty when somebody Mm. is a really good gift giver. Uh Uh-huh. When they give me something that I love and I just miss time after time after time.
1: You know what? And I think there will be misses. And and actually, something that I really appreciate about my mom is that she'll get us, um, you know, every once in a while, she'll get us, uh, you know, jewelry, earrings, you know, something simple, not extravagant, but... You know, there are times when I'm like, that's not my style anymore. What I really appreciate about my mom is that she is able to go, oh, it's not? Well, why don't we take a trip back to the store tomorrow and we'll go together and you can pick out something that you like differently. That's nice. I think it's about not taking it personally. Yeah. Like, oh, it was a miss, okay. And then actually allowing it to be a point of connection. Why don't we go back together? Can we make it an afternoon trip? Why don't we do lunch and then go back? And you can show me what you really like. Yeah. Um, because I don't always have to get it right. It's not about getting it right. It's about is there enough flexibility and care to say, Oh, okay, that wasn't right. Right. Okay. But right. I'm, so you didn't like the bottle cleaners. What would you have liked? <laughs> That I have a, so true. I have a friend actually who shared that um, that for them, um, their partner really struggles with gift giving, and so it actually creates a lot of stress for their partner to give the gift. And it doesn't; it's not fun for the partner because the partner doesn't naturally lean in that way. It, it's a struggle. And so my friend actually shared that they write down a list of a few things that they really want and and give it to the partner and the partner can pick. And what's interesting about that is a lot of times we think, oh, the gift has to come from my creativity. It has to come because I thought it was, you know, of this amazing
0: thing. It has that- to be generated and inspired internally. And yeah, yeah.
1: and it's like... Can we take some of the stress away if that's not somebody's strong suit? If it's not a strong suit to look for presents for everyone, then can someone just tell me a few things that they like and I can, and then from that place, it's not a blank canvas. If my, my sister says that she'd love a pair of Toms, I can say, what's your size? And then look for a style that makes me think of her. Good enough. Totally. You no. Know, um, if somebody's into music, okay. What you know? What bands do you like? Totally. And then jump. Use that as a jumping off point. I think we often think it has to be completely generated from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And really, for some people, it's not a strong suit. Totally. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How do you talk to your family about doing
1: some activities separate? While on vacation. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we, you know, we kind of just in a smidge noted this at the beginning, but for many of us, um, talking about it beforehand. Yeah. I think talking about it beforehand, there's, there are old family dynamics. It doesn't matter if your family has moved, if people have grown up, if they're all in, you know, everybody's an adult at this point. When we come back into the home, we also come back into old family roles and expectations about how everybody is together. And so for some people, when somebody's kind of grown up and stepped away and maybe done some of their own therapy, some of their own work, they realize that how they want to be in the space with their family is really different. Um, For some people, that's going to be taking some space. For other people, it's going to be honing more connection when they're home. There's so many people that I work with that'll say, I go home, uh, I get in late, we have a dinner. The next day, everybody just kind of sits around the house, not really talking. We have some meals and then I leave. And that person might really crave more connection. So how to put the want out ahead of time how to maybe it means through email maybe it means when you're on the phone with a sibling or with a parent or with a cousin or who or you know um uh, or maybe it's family of choice that you go back to year after year Mm -hmm. to say this is something that i'm actually to really own it saying this is something that i'm kind of working on in my own life is how to take a little space for myself because i realize that when I do that and then come back. I'm not a snappy. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you like me to not be a snappy? Totally. (laughs) Wouldn't you, wouldn't it be great if, if we had a really nice breakfast and then I went and went for my walk or did the things I need to do and then came back and was ready to connect with everyone. I love it. Or on the other hand, um, Hey, I know we've kind of gotten into this routine of me coming home and us having meals, but I it also feels really separate. And so this time when I'm home, I wanna plan to have a little separate time with each person. And can we plan that ahead of time? How about you and I do a Like move,
0: do a one on one do thing. a
1: one on one. You know, we'll we'll get out, we'll go for the walk, we'll walk to Starbucks, we'll go to a movie, whatever it is, we'll take it we'll take some time away. I like that. So that people get primed for it. I think a lot of resentment builds when we have something in our head of something we've wanted to do and think that in the spur of the moment, it's going to happen. Oh, in the spur of the moment, I'll walk away and take the space I need. Oh, in the spur of the moment, maybe I'll grab dad and we'll go on a walk. But Oftentimes that doesn't happen if we don't prepare for it because once we're back in that role, we're back in that role. We're back in that system. So it's really helpful to, if you're a person who's been doing some personal growth work, therapy work, and you're trying to live your life a little bit differently and your your family might be privy to that. Maybe that they know that you're in therapy. Maybe they, they know that you've been trying new things in your life. And you can even, you know blame that and say, you know, one of my, one of my homework assignments for this trip home is to take some space and see what happens. Or it's to try to connect with everybody individually a little bit and see what happens. Totally.
0: I, um, so when I initially asked you to come on the, on the episode, Mm -hmm. on the show, um, you, you said something very astute about the ghost Mm. of a family or the ghost of the idea Mm
1: -hmm.
0: of the family.
1: Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, And again, that was sort of like brilliance that came out of uh, me just deliriously talking. But um, again, when you and I were discussing this at the beginning, there was a lot about how to deal with family dynamics, kind of when you hit the ground running on the ground in the environment. And I was reflecting on how during the holidays, kind of no one can escape even the idea of family dynamics, the kind of the the ghost of a family dynamic. And for some people who are not spending time with family over the holidays, oftentimes there's, um, there's a history that still comes up. There's the old grief that comes up for what used to be. Maybe there's been deaths in the family. Maybe mm-hmm. there have been divorces. Maybe there have been step-siblings who are no longer step-siblings because of a divorce. Um, maybe there used to be big gatherings that, because of illness, have dwindled into a few people. And so there can be um, grief that comes up around the holidays there can be a longing, there can be sadness for what was and what is now in comparison. And so I think that when we talk about family dynamics in the holidays, there's often this go-to that it's about being with your family, Mm -hmm. um, specifically like in the blood, in the bones, in the room. And for many, many people, there is a kind of the um, the remnants of what used to be. And that comes up at the holidays. And so there can be a lot to process around family, even if there's not that physical in-the-room connection. Yep. And so giving yourself, if that is part of your story, if that is part of your lived experience, um, giving yourself space to... Um, think about that, reflect on it, write about it, um, speak with others who get it about that. And again, kind of coming back to that first question, maybe first question, I don't know, about how to take care of yourself during this time, kind of accepting and acknowledging that there may be a lot of feelings that come up. Totally. And I think for some people, it when that's the history Around the holidays, it can lead to a lot of apathy. It can lead to a lot of isolation, shutting down, not caring. And we all know that not caring is really caring a lot, mm-hmm. but not mm-hmm. having the energy to care a lot about it anymore. And so for those folks, it's it'll be important to acknowledge those feelings and to connect with the people in their lives who are family of choice Mm. and Mm -hmm. um and make those holiday plans yep you know i'm someone who grew up with very sporadic holiday celebration it's something that definitely um was a struggle for me in my life and even as an adult was and i've had to i spend certain holidays with family of choice and that's become the tradition. But you know, Christmas, I'm not with my family. I'm with and I'm not Christian, I'm Jewish. but like, but because we didn't have anything consistent, even if I'm not that religion, I still want to be doing something. right. And so how to not be apathetic about it, not isolate, but to find those plans, to join somebody's, christmas brunch yeah to um and and i think it's important to not minimize it because we can easily say well whatever it's not my family so whatever i just went to this brunch but at least you're giving yourself something to show up to
0: yep yep are so is there anything else that you feel is important
1: before we before we sign off yeah, I think finding, finding those fun things, finding those moments and letting the moments be enough and really being an acceptance of what is, being an acceptance of the amount of family that is or is not available the, for everybody's quirks. And I think it's also really important to remember that there is a beginning, a middle and an end to the holiday season, that it will end that it's not forever, that staying at the house is not forever. If you were going for five days and you're on day three, you only have two more days. Yep. Um, if you feel lonely over the weekend because everybody's out of town and all of a sudden San Francisco is like a, you know, ghost like, town. like a ghost town. Yeah. Well, you know that in about a few more days, people will be coming back. Um, I think often people get overwhelmed with feeling like, everything's going on forever and they feel lost in it and that it will die down totally that there's a beginning a middle and an end to it and to just be realistic about what are the things i do to take care of myself keeping those things regular totally yeah i like that yeah danny thank
0: you so much for coming on of course i learned a lot This was very therapeutic. Yeah. It yeah. was. And Cleo's quiet. Cleo. I mean, big hand for Cleo. Yeah, big hand, big hand for, hands Cleo. for Cleo. Thank you Aww. for, um, she really, you know, was, took her space.
1: Yeah, Took she did. her space when she needed to. Yeah, she wasn't reactionary. No, no. no.
0: Impressive. Yeah. All right. Bye.